0: Hello and welcome to the agronovations.com podcast, all things related and debated in agriculture, from appropriate technology to fair trade, globalization, and organics. I'm your host, Frank Aragona, talking about appropriate technology today, open source appropriate technology. We're with uh, the Full Belly Project. If you haven't heard our other show about uh, open source appropriate technology, then please be sure to listen with Professor Anil Gupta, and we'll have uh, future shows for you. At the end of this podcast, um, I'm going to read some of the comments people have written about the podcast, so be sure to stay tuned for that. Okay, today we're with Jeff Rose of The Full Belly Project. Thanks for joining us, Jeff. Um, Absolutely. How did The Full Belly Project get started?
1: The Full Belly Project started back in 2001 when uh, the, the founder, Jock Brandis, took a visit to Mali he was actually uh visiting one of his friends who joined the Peace Corps. And uh while he was in Mali he noticed that, you know, there's a ton of women just sitting around hand shelling peanuts. And he thought to himself, Well that's that's just terrible. There's there's gotta be some machine out there uh that can that can help these people. And um he was actually uh this this woman came up to him and, and basically Thrust her arthritic hands in his face and said, "Look at my hands. I'm 40 years old and I have arthritis. Please help us." Um, And so that really hit it home with him. So once he got back, he thought, you know, I'll just I'll just Google it, and I'll find uh, I'll find the machine that I'll I'll send it to him. I'll I'll just put it in a package and send it that way. And as he started researching, he found that uh, the machines that that uh, shell peanuts essentially went from uh, people were hand-shelling and then it went to an industrial huge uh, mechanism that is obviously unaffordable to somebody in rural Africa. So um, he started calling uh, folks who were experts in the field, and he actually called the Carter Center uh, because he thought, hey, you know, Jimmy Carter knows a thing or two about peanuts. And... um, they he ended up calling a guy named Tim Williams who is one of the world's uh, foremost experts on peanuts and Dr. Williams who is a professor at the University of Georgia told him if you can find a machine like that you found the whole rail of uh, appropriate technology um and so Jock Brandis uh being the guy that he is he took that as a challenge and uh Set out over the course of the following year to designing and redesigning what is now what we call the universal nutsheller, and that is our that's our primary uh, appropriate technology. And the full belly project then uh, was essentially Jock Brandis and his. Uh, the, there's a local group of return Peace Corps volunteers here in Wilmington, North Carolina, uh, and they teamed up just thinking this is a great idea. We have to get it out to the world. They formed a nonprofit uh, in the year 2003. So from 2002 to 2003, they were just kind of you know, doing social events and getting together and having potlucks, talking about how neat this machine is. Um, but in 2003, they actually formed a nonprofit nonprofit and since then, it's we've been slowly growing um, as a, an organization. And um, I myself didn't get involved until February of uh, 2007, and that's when I was hired on as the executive director.
0: Could you describe a little bit the, the peanut sheller, uh, how it works, maybe a little bit about the design process as well? Uh, what, sure. h- how was it designed and... Uh, how it's implemented in the field. Okay.
1: So um, the, the sheller, um, we, we call it the uh, universal nut sheller. And uh, the reason why it's called the universal nut sheller is that it shells a multitude of crops. But um, the design of it is essentially that it's, it's a cone within a cone. Um, and as far as we know, it's the world's only machine made of concrete. Um, the, we, we pour it into fiberglass molds and there are simple metal parts, which can be replicated pretty much anywhere in the world. Um, and, uh, we've actually had some success, uh, depending on where we go when we when we travel to developing countries, finding people who are actually capable of also replicating the fiberglass mold. So it's, it, it's sustainable in the field. Um, and, uh, the way it's implemented, the way it was originally implemented was we would send kits of these molds and uh, and five sets of metal parts so you could make five machines. Um, so if there was a, you know, a church group or a student group or just an individual that happened to be traveling to a developing country, they would take this kit with them as their checked-in luggage. Uh, we've got it so that it's the perfect weight for you to, to take it with you when you travel abroad. Um, and then they would they would build, you know, Five machines in the field, uh, and that was—it's a wonderful way of doing things to, to spread technology to a variety of places. But we're finding what we want to do now is—is um, is actually go and uh, set up production facilities. So this past summer, we actually went to Uganda and uh, trained three three individuals who had metalworking skills to to cut the the metal pieces and show them how to mix and pour the cement to the the proper specifications. And um, now there is a functioning uh, manufacturing facility in Uganda, which is slowly supplying uh, the people of Uganda with with universal nut shellers. And there, they're able to use it to to shell peanuts as well as uh, coffee. And sometimes there's... um, there's a plant that's available called Jatropha. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with that plant.
0: I am. It's it's uh, supposedly a miracle plant. One of one of those categories.
1: One of those miracle plants. Yeah. If you um if you get the seed out and you press the seed for its oil, uh, it's essentially uh, biodiesel diesel fuel.
0: So you can use the machine to press the the oil out of the out of the seeds.
1: Can't press it with our machine, but you have to um, you have to get the seeds out of its pod first. Um, and the pod has poisons in it, so if you're doing that by hand, obviously I can build up and uh, become kind of nasty for you. So our machine um, shells the pods or gets the gets the seeds out of the pod.
0: Okay, now I wanna I, then, yeah. I wanna talk about the this issue of open source inappropriate technology. Um, Sure. This is something I've been writing about and talking about for, oh, probably at least two years now, um, and and my interest in it was peaked when I realized how successful a model uh, GNU/Linux actually is, um, mm-hmm. and and that has you know several decades of history behind it. The application of this idea to open source is something that's, or to appropriate technology is something that's a little bit more recent. Um, tell us why we should apply an open. Open source model to appropriate technology, and and how the Full Belly Project is doing that.
1: Well, for us, it um, you know the people that it, it's just kind of a no brainer. You you want something like this to be open source because there's a huge need for it, and so by you know putting it out there so that mul- multiple people, multiple organizations can replicate this, then you're going to accelerate. Uh, their impact, and that's exactly what we to do. Um, the way that we do that is uh, we have kind of a licensing agreement wherein people contact us. They say, you know, I'd like to take a kit to Mozambique, um, and we have them sign on. It just gives us uh, the credit for having designed the Universal Nutsheller, but it allows that person to, to replicate as many in the field as possible. They can set up businesses. Um, they can do what they want, and, and we don't have to manage that business. We just want to know, uh, as far as the open source part of it, we want a flow of information to come back to us as well so that if there's improvements made in the field, um, we you know that can come back to us. We can test it, vet it, and uh, disperse that information to everybody that has, that has contacted us. So that way we have this this uh, information flow that's going on, we find that um, that's been really that's been really beneficial for us because we had a group in the Philippines that actually um, clued us into the fact that our machine was excellent at shelling uh, coffee, getting the dry husk off of coffee, uh, and we wouldn't have known that otherwise because you know at at the time we were completely focused on peanuts. But there's people out there who are experimenting. And, and just doing slight adjustments on our machines and it comes back that hey this is a you know this is much cooler than we thought it was.
0: Now the first thing that comes to my mind when when you talk about this is how that flow of information is managed and it, it might be kind of a, a mundane type of everyday chore that you have to do in terms of how the project works but I think it's critical because well for a few reasons one is because you're going to want other people that that need to replicate similar results perhaps as you mentioned with coffee um but there still needs to be some kind of systematized way that you guys organize and present that information to the public maybe there's exactly. some people that are out there thinking about okay i'd like to do this for some other technology um what advice could you give them so that they don't have to reinvent the wheel
1: um the thing is uh you know, with our technology, we, we've been we've been talking with some of our lawyers, and their their advice is in this situation that you can you can have it so that it is sort of a gift to the world, um, but you also you don't want somebody to come in and start manufacturing it and putting a patent on it, so that then it restricts other people from from what you intended on, you know, which is to spread the technology to as many places as possible. So um, what, what I would say, rather than, you know, reinventing the wheel, if you have a technology out there, um, you, can, you can kind of put it into the public domain, which is, which is what we did, um, and people can make improvements on it, and then establish the fact that this is something you want to be a gift to the world. Uh You can also set up a i would I would recommend setting up as we did uh, a licensing agreement so that people have use of the technology they can make improvements on it and then establish as you said the mundane flow of information which is which is you know essentially just follow up emails and things like that to find out how things are going
0: now do you have an established uh system for actually documenting I mean I think of the the open source uh, Linux community for example and every time like a new uh, release of the kernel comes out they include a change log with that sure now with with something like um, a peanut sheller it, it might not be quite the same thing because it depends on if you're using it for peanuts or coffee but exactly. uh, um, do you guys have a way to keep track of those potential modifications and then include them in some kind of documentation or, or something like that
1: that uh, that tracking system is certainly a work in progress for us um, especially since you know we're finding that that people are out there testing it on on different crops and things like that and there's just some crops that don't grow in other parts of the world so we wouldn't send out a broad message to everybody saying hey you know this machine can do this um, and so yeah it's it's we're 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 trying to figure out what way is is the most efficient way of of setting that up, um, and so yeah, that's that's definitely a work in progress for us.
0: Right, and it's I think it's important to point out that you guys are pioneers in this area, um, especially in terms of open sourcing the appropriate technology. So it's not at all surprising that you're still trying to figure out uh, certain ways to approach this and and what the best way to do it is. Um, yeah, what I have a question for you about access now open source appropriate technology is a great concept I think everybody would agree with that but as with all other kinds of appropriate technology it really comes down to access how do we ensure that a technology your technology or any other given technology has maximum access and coverage for the people that may potentially benefit from it in other words you know the people in Uganda that you're working directly with are obviously benefiting from from the technology, but what about other people? I mean, you are a small organization, and probably to have the biggest impact, you want people to just adopt the technology on their own.
1: Right. Um, yeah, we are. We're. We're. What we're thinking now is that uh, we're going to contact existing non governmental organizations um, and other nonprofits that that have you know offices in the field. Um, so we're going to start our own marketing, if you will, to these people who are already, are already situated where they can have an impact if they just adopt this technology um, and see if they want to either just purchase a kit or if they are interested in something more uh, long-term and more sustainable, and that being that we would, we would make plans to come and train their their people to manufacture these machines so that they have a steady supply of them, and hopefully by doing that, um, by by us seeking out the people that that need these machines, we hope that this can spread in sort of a, a viral manner, and that uh, they will tell the other organizations they work with that hey this is this is something valuable, this has you know a real impact, and it's a and it's an immediate impact, um, and that way hopefully we'll, uh, we'll just continue to grow and uh, we'll be able to hire more and more people so that way uh, we can serve more of the world. But, yeah, it's, it's pretty tough because, uh, yet it's also amazing to me. Um, we are a very small organization that, at, at this point. There's, there's just two employees, myself and, and Jock Brandis. and we have a variety of uh, volunteers that help us do many things. Yet we've, you know, we've able to, we've been able to do quite a bit, and it's something that I think all of us are very proud of.
0: And I think that's the nature of this revolution, um, is that you guys are only two people with a with a core people, and then with a network of volunteers. But uh, even just through this podcast, you're you're able to reach hundreds of more people and and get the word out. Um, now, uh, how, in terms of in terms of greater access, uh, how do you see that? How do you see the develop the future development and continued modification of of the uh, technology playing out in terms of more and more rural farmers participating? Um, what are some of the scenarios that that kind of you all envision?
1: Well, um, ideally, we would have you know, as as I said, if we're if we're using uh, other NGOs as, as our connector. Um, they're able to to get in contact with us pretty regularly, and uh, the folks that we are in contact with right now, they are they're emailing us photos, they're emailing us updates and things like that, which is you know cuts costs for us, but it it also enables us to spread that information to the other partners that that have signed on to these agreements. Um, and we have seen we have seen people just you know the farmers and and metal workers in developing countries are extremely inventive and they're able to find solutions to their problems much faster than we are because they know their problems whereas when we go over there you know we we think we have a solution but, but usually you don't <laughs> it's uh it's it's always best to leave it in the hands of the people who are dealing with the problem day in and day out and there's a lot of ngos out there that just don't do that uh they don't They come in with with this package solution yet they don't uh, seek the input of those that, that they they wish to serve so that's what we hope to change is, is that we really want the input of those that are using these machines um, so hopefully these NGOs and the businesses that we're helping to set up are going to provide us with as much input as possible uh, so that we know that we can you know we can be nimble enough and, and alter the machines
0: as best we can right and and um a lot of what uh, full belly is doing is is instead of designing something and then you know just manufacturing it and doing it the traditional way you guys are creating a service based uh business around your design as opposed to, exactly. to vice versa which is I, I i personally believe that's the new model and and it's, and it's certainly been proven in many open-source software projects. Um, to what extent does Full Belly Project see itself as part of a larger movement and phenomenon, and where does the project fit into that movement?
1: Um, I think that there, there is a, an enormous movement going on right now in that, that so many people are getting clued into how small the world really is and How interconnected we all are, um, and I think that that Full Belly is—I I don't know if we are on the cutting edge or not, but I—I'd like to say that we are in that we recognize that that people are are really becoming tuned into you know how devastated uh, parts of Africa are, how malnutrition just degrades the uh, the possibility of an economy to 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 flourish, and. And people are, are, are looking at how there, there really are just simple solutions out there. If only we could put enough resources towards that. And sometimes it just takes having enough people that care enough to, to participate in that. And that's that's what one of the beauties of the Full Belly Project is, is that we, we have that open-door policy and we want you to participate. Uh, and we want this technology to flourish in all parts of the world. Uh, and we hope to develop more technologies, which is part of uh, this is this is actually a new thing for us in that we're we're now asking for more people who have an engineering background to participate in the development of technologies that the full build project will actually disseminate into into the field. Um, so we're seeking you know folks with construction backgrounds, uh, engineering backgrounds. And uh, we hope to accelerate the the amounts of solutions that we can provide to to the developing world.
0: What is on the horizon for open source appropriate technology? Um, what what do you think needs to happen now uh, to to move forward with this?
1: Um, well, I guess broadly it's, it's difficult to say, but I can. I can say what the full belly project has in mind anyways, and that is that uh you know we we want to come in with um complete solutions so that there there is the system can that can be completed and uh i'll I'll use peanuts as an example because that's what we we started out with with uh, coming up with solutions we have a a peanut sheller um and now we're designing. A way to use the, sh- the peanut shells to actually roast the peanuts, um, and we want to come up with a petal powered version of a uh, uh, a peanut grinder. So then you're coming up with with peanut paste, and then um, we're looking into designing or or working with someone who can help us to create uh, a locally produced. RUTF, and that's uh, a ready-to-use therapeutic food, which would, um, which is essentially using peanut butter and vitamins. Um, and our our selection for the vitamins is using a plant called Moringa oleifera um, and drying the leaves of that of that tree, which uh, is just packed with nutrients. Blending that in, and um, and then you have a complete system. You've got you know, something that's, that's creating its own little micro economy. Uh, people can, can also solve their, their malnutrition problem by, by working that way. Uh, in addition to that, we're, we're looking at coming up with an oil press, uh, which would also operate off of the same pedal-powered chassis. Um, so that way you have, uh, you're also able to press the peanuts for oil and, uh, and just sell peanut oil. So that, that's sort of what we're looking at. If, if you take each crop and say, how can we maximize the value of this for people in rural areas without getting them on the grid, without having them uh, be dependent on fuel, what are the solutions? Um, what's the cheapest solution that will be most effective for them? And um, that's the way that we're, we're looking at the future.
0: And um, I'd, I'd like to remind listeners that uh, peanuts are a leguminous crop, and they're grown around the world. Um, they, they're a great cover crop, and they do fix nitrogen into the soil. So uh, we're, we're looking at a crop that, that does have potential to be incorporated into an agroecological system um, in a very sustainable manner. Anybody that's listening to this and says, wow, that sounds great, you know, I'd, I'd like to try that. Uh, how much does it cost to build the sheller and uh, what, what are some of the steps they need to take to, to do it?
1: Well, we, um, we sell a kit, which is, as I said, it's the fiberglass mold and uh, contains some metal parts. We also send uh, a DVD, which is an instructional how to make. Um, and we also send paper copy of instructions with that kit. So, um, that entire kit costs seven hundred dollars plus shipping, and we could ship it to you if you're willing to take it to someplace uh, in a developing country preferably thats that's what we would like for you to do and uh, as I mentioned, we just we would like for people to provide us with photos if they can um, and updates on how those machines are are making an impact um, if people are wanting to uh, Come and visit us. We have a headquarters in Wilmington, North Carolina, and uh, we're more than happy to, to show you how to make our machines. We'll train you. If you're, if you're wanting to go abroad, we will we'll certainly uh, make a few shellers and, and just have you, have you practice on how to do that. That would be wonderful. Um, and uh, they, can, they can find our information on our website at www.fullbellyproject.org.
0: Great, and we'll be sure to link to that on uh, our podcast website. Uh, This has been a great conversation. You guys are doing great work. Uh, We wish you all the best, and thanks so much for joining us, Jeff Rose, from the Full Belly Project. Thank you. Well, now I'm going to read some of the comments that we've received over the past couple of weeks. I've been asking for feedback on the podcast. Jim writes, I like the podcast, but I have to say that I'd not heard Bill Mollison before. I had heard that he was less than diplomatic, but geez, he sounds completely uncompromising. The idea that someone would leave during a conference seems uncompromising, sort of like the current administration's foreign policy. Let's don't even try to find neutral or middle ground. Let's just say no and leave. Certainly not the diplomat's way. I'm not a diplomat by any means. Just ask the folks I work with. But I recognize the self-enlightened benefit to at least seeing other or all points of view. At least hear other folks out, Mollison doesn't seem to do that. Amy from North Carolina writes, My favorite one podcast, without a doubt, has been the one with Paul Stamets. I listen to a lot of podcasts, and that wasn't one is in the upper echelons across all of them. In second place comes Bill Mollison. I would love to hear interviews with Dan Carlson, inventor of Sonic Bloom, and with people who have util, utilized biodynamic agriculture to restore the fertility and vitality to seemingly unproductive land those folks in Germany that were able to bring their dying forests back to life from application of certain rock dusts. Some of my other favorites in the Related and Debated section are James Demio, whose work has to do with Reich's Oregon technology and creating rainfall, and Patrick Flanagan, the wizard of all things water. Well, Jim and Amy, thanks so much for your comments. We'd like to encourage other people out there who have thoughts, ideas, suggestions about the agroinnovations.com podcast to email us at podcast at agroinnovations.com or you can get on our website, and there's a contact form there as well. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks again to the Full Belly Project. We look forward to hearing from you. I'm Frank Aragona. This is the com podcast. Saludos.